I'm Farah Duro, and you're listening to the PCOS Revolution podcast. The PCOS Revolution podcast is supported by Florida Complete Wellness, providing integrative women's health care for nearly two decades. To sign up for your free consultation from anywhere in the world or to get more information on our upcoming six-week live workshop to help you kick PCOS to the curb forever, visit us at floridacompletewellness.com backslash PCOS. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the PCS Revolution. I am so excited to be back here today to speak to you from someone all the way across the pond. Her name is Vivian Allred, and she's a naturopathic nutritionist. And I just wanted to share with you a little bit about Vivian's background. Uh, she has PCOS, but she also works with women who are overcoming PCOS naturally and really focusing on hormonal and digestive issues. And I think that, that there's a lot to be said about looking into the gut and looking to see what kind of pathologies are there because a lot of times gut imbalances are definitely underdiagnosed and not talked about as much. So Vivian actually works uh, in Manchester, but also yeah, with women right. all, all over the world. And her focus is really to identify and address the root causes of her clients' symptoms and educate them about the healing properties of food. You can, uh, we'll talk a little bit about how you can contact her at the end, but I think that you're really going to get a lot out of this in a different, totally different perspective. So welcome, Vivian. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Our pleasure. So could you just fill in some of the gaps and let us know how did you come to specialize in PCOS? Yeah, of course. Um, so it's a pretty long story, so I'm just going to give you the short version um, in interest of time. But um, it all started for me age 18 um, after a period of kind of not treating my body as well as I could be by over-exercising, um, under-eating and just not fueling my body correctly. And I believe that stress of the whole situation triggered PCOS in me personally. So my period stopped. Um, I developed really bad cystic acne. My hair started falling out and I got all the other classic symptoms. Um, apart from I was losing weight um, because of my own exercise problems. Um, after going to my GP, after about four months of not having a period and having all these new symptoms, he arranged for me to have an ultrasound, which showed the classical cystic appearance of the ovaries and then subsequently my only option was to go on the oral contraceptive pill or the birth control pill and at the time I didn't have any interest in nutrition I didn't really know there was another way so obviously I jumped at the chance of having some having a medication that would get rid of all my symptoms because being an 18 year old you don't want cystic acne you don't want your hair falling out and you'll do anything pretty much to stop that so um, I did go on the pill um, the first one that I went on it was a horrible experience I'd say that all my symptoms got 10 times worse um, so my, it was actually my mum who made me stop that and go back to my GP and request a new pill and that's when I stayed on Yasmin for around two years and that did actually help clear the symptoms that I wanted to clear but after the two years, um, coming up to the two years, I started to feel other symptoms appearing. So things like anxiety, 
digestive issues, food intolerances. And in that final year of being on the pill, I went to work actually in a camp in America, so the children's summer camps. I, I went to work there for the summer and I got really bad food poisoning as well. So I think my immune system was really like shot at basically and I I picked up food poisoning like I said and when I got home that's when I kind of turned to look for natural solutions because my digestion was horrible I was bloating after everything um I was losing weight again I wasn't absorbing any of my food and that's when I myself went to a nutritional therapist who um, identified that I had parasites and bacterial overgrowths and yeast and she helped me transition from being on the pill and kind of getting to the root cause of my problems and identifying my hormonal imbalances and treating that naturally through nutrition and lifestyle changes and because of that that's what drove me and inspired me to become a nutritional therapist myself so that I can help other women do the same and not have to suffer with the symptoms that I had to. Excellent. Sometimes you don't know how bad you are until you start feeling better, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us something we don't know about your um, background with uh, PCOS and naturopathic nutrition that as women with PCOS, we probably should know. Um, so I'd say that um, there is a big influence with gut health. So even though I didn't have any quote, digestive issues before I got the food poisoning, I don't think my digestion was optimal. And especially when I had my digestive issues from the, the parasites and bacterial overgrowths, my PCOS symptoms were 10 times worse. And a lot of women now you've probably seen in your own clients and in the audience listening today that there is a lot of uh, women with PCOS also dealing with digestive issues, IBS, um, constipation, bloating, things like that. And it's there's several different mechanisms. I don't, I don't know if you want me to go into them. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's yeah there's several different ways that gut health affects hormones and PCOS specifically. Um, I'd say the first one would, would be the issue with absorption of nutrients. So when our gut health is impaired, that can be for several different reasons, like antibiotic use, stress, food intolerances. Um, this can affect the absorption of nutrients in our small intestine. And we need these nutrients to actually create our hormones, use them efficiently and get rid of them when, when we've used them basically so they're not recirculating. And this is common in women with PCOS to have high estrogen and testosterone levels. So if we've not got all these cofactors from vitamins and nutrients, we don't have the correct enzymes to actually get rid of the hormones and they kind of recirculate and drive a lot of the symptoms that we deal with, like acne and hair loss and irregular cycles. And I would say that the other way that gut health impacts PCOS would be inflammation in the gut. So the gut is literally the center of our body, but it's also the roots and center of our health as well, in my opinion. And 70% of our immune system is actually located in our gut, which some people find that really surprising. And inflammation is driven, is controlled, shall I say, by the immune system. 
So if our gut isn't happy, our immune system isn't happy, and that can cause a lot of inflammation. And we know that inflammation, along with insulin resistance, are two of the main drivers of PCOS. So I have this aha moment. How come research isn't focusing on our guts instead of our ovaries? <laughs> exactly. That's my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's very, um, it's a very new idea. And we know that modern medicine is like 15 years behind the research. So hopefully in 10 years or so, this, this will become common knowledge because we know that a lot of people are now talking about gut health, but not in relation to PCOS specifically. Um, people are talking about it more in terms of um, immune health and conditions like eczema and hay fever, but they're not talking about it in terms of PCOS, which is a which is a trend. And, it, and thinking back to this, I, I just was put on a lot of antibiotics as a child for sinus infections. Yeah. And it was year after year after year. And my family comes from a very Western background as far as mostly their nurses and MDs. So that was really all the treatment that they knew for, you know, to, to give. And um, so I didn't realize how it had, you know, really messed up my gut until I entered acupuncture school and thought, oh, wow, I'm really not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, as, aside from just side note, I wonder, you know, how, what the role is of chronic antibiotics contributing to this when it's wiping out all the good and the bad for just pretty much constantly. And you're on that and not restoring it. Yeah, that is a big, it's a big driver. Um, and it's not just antibiotics. It's um, also the oral contraceptive pill, the birth control pill also acts as a low dose antibiotic um, in in terms that it kills a lot of the good bacteria and allows things like yeast and bacteria bad bacteria to thrive and also the people dealing with acne also get put on antibiotics so they kind they're trying to address the acne um, if they're dealing with that from the PCOS, but the antibiotics are actually making it worse in the long run because they're actually destroying our gut bacteria and immune system in our gut. Interesting. Yes. And definitely overutilized. Yeah. So are you finding that in the UK, they're basically using a large amount of birth control as well for PCOS? Is that the mainstay treatment or would you say there are other other like kind of more integrative treatments that, that you see that are coming up? No, definitely. The the birth control pill is number one go-to for pretty much any hormonal imbalance, um, which is a shame because obviously you're not getting to the root cause. And a lot of the symptoms that people go on the pill for, it's not always about contraception. So young, girls younger and younger are going on the pill for symptoms that could easily be improved with diet and lifestyle changes. So like acne, hair growth, um, and things like that. So it's a shame that that's the only really go-to for conventional medicine. And right. That's the purpose of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> how, so say I am a person who has digestive upset or how do, how do I know? Is it basically that I'm experiencing uh, bloating sometimes and um, food intolerances and my immune system's not working very well? And maybe, you know, I, I look into testing for this. How, how would you go about testing? Yeah, so um, like you say, a lot of the symptoms people do recognize. 
Um, they could be minor or they could be major things like um, diarrhea, like blood in the stool, excessive gas or pain, bloating, reflux. But some people actually with digestive imbalances have no symptoms at all. And this is even shown with patients with celiac disease. A lot of them actually go to the doctors and have no digestive issues. And celiac disease is the autoimmune response to gluten, where the small intestine is actually really damaged from the effects of this autoimmune attack. And a lot of them go to the GP with things like fatigue and weight loss and skin complaints and joint pain. However, their gut health is severely impaired, but they're not having outward signs of that. Um, a lot of the tests done through conventional doctors are very, um, what's the word? They're, they're kind of ruling out the big diseases. So things like IBD, Crohn's disease, celiac disease, they kind of rule those things out through endoscopies and ultrasounds. But the tests that we have access to as functional medicine practitioners and nutritional therapists are the, the known as functional lab tests. So they look a lot deeper into our gut health. So certain stool tests can assess the balances of good and bad bacteria, levels of inflammation, certain food intolerances, levels of yeasts and parasites. And when GPs test for things, I had a parasite test after I came back from America with the food poisoning. However, it only tested for like three really severe parasites, like Giardia. However, mine was not as severe, but it does cause a lot of digestive issues and inflammation, especially if it's untreated. Right. And so what did you ultimately do about your condition? What kind of treatment did you, did you get into? Yeah. So my nutritional therapist who I went to see, um, she arranged for me to do a stool test, which identified all of those problems. Um, she, recommended that I went on like an elimination diet to begin with because I was reacting to a lot of foods and I couldn't pinpoint what were my major triggers. Um, so I cut out all of the main offenders, which are gluten, dairy, corn, soy, sugar, like refined sugar. And I think I started off with the low FODMAP diet just because my symptoms were quite severe. And then um, I, w I went on a round of herbal antimicrobials. So that included oregano, berberine garlic, all of these things that were specific to my um, problem and overgrowths because certain bacteria have certain um, affinity to herbs so it can be more effective for certain bacteria. So she designed that protocol specifically for me and then subsequently went on like a gut restoration protocol. So that included probiotics and digestive enzymes and healing nutrients for the gut as well. Very neat. And you, could you feel the relief pretty quickly or did it take a while? Um, well, a lot of the, my major symptoms started to disappear. So mm -hmm. like the diarrhea and the, the pain and the gas, that did start to fade quite quickly. But it took a while for the longer term things to improve, like the food intolerances specifically and the bloating. So I did notice a difference every week, but I think because my gut was so destroyed, it took quite a while to restore. And during that time, that's when I started to come off the pill as well. So 
I think a lot of the healing needed to be done after that as well. Interesting. So now, you know, with, for anyone listening, what would be the first thing that they should look for if, you know, they think that maybe there is something going on their gut or should they, because of the PCOS kind of not assume, but really, you know, look into that a little closer because I know for us with Chinese medicine, we look at the tongue quite a bit and almost always with PCOS, there is a thick coating there quite, quite often. And that, can signify to us, we call it spleen, stomach, disharmony, or phlegm, um, but the digestion is not happy. <laughs> no, <laughs> not that. Yeah. yeah. So it is a chicken and egg situation. So a lot of digestive issues can be caused by the hormonal imbalances, but also the hormonal imbalances can cause digestive issues. So you can't kind of have to choose which you want to start with, but if you're experiencing a lot of the outward signs of poor gut health, like I mentioned, I would start there because if your gut's not if your gut's not healthy, I don't think your hormones are going to be healthy. You can take all the herbs in the world, you can eat the best diet, but if you're not absorbing things and if there's chronic inflammation there, you, you're never going to get full resolution of your symptoms. So I would definitely start with gut health in that, in that case. And you can find a lot of relief with digestive elimination protocols so like i said taking out the big offenders so refined processed foods refined sugars um a lot of um oxidized oils so junk food and fast food and then just focusing on a real whole foods diet that would be the go-to to start with and then you can start to dig a little bit deeper maybe do some lab testing if your symptoms still don't clear up because I think that a lot of a lot of people's symptoms do improve when they just change the diet. Right. We definitely have um, our patients eliminate gluten, sugar, and dairy for 28 yeah. days. Yeah. And after 28 days, when you start reintroducing things, it's, sometimes it's not pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> and you go, oh, man, it's probably better that I stay away <laughs> from this stuff, you know, I have personal <laughs> experience with this. So, <laughs> um, And, you know, as far as um, the thought I was having actually about this is that um, a lot of times we ignore symptoms because we're used to them. And we yeah. just think it's like a frog in hot water. So yeah. we'll just, you know, we'll just, we'll just keep going and feel bad and get used to the bloating and the headaches and the fatigue because that's normal and it's not normal. I mean, yeah. it's really not. And when people start snapping out of that fog and they go, oh, wow, this is what it's like to have energy. Like I'm not falling asleep at five you know, o'clock when I come home. Like it's, it's a different whole experience, I think. Um, yeah, definitely. You- like you said before, you, they get used to feeling so bad. Um, when they look back six months ago, when they start their new protocol, they were thinking like, how, do, how did I live that way? How did I put up with those symptoms for so long? But it's exactly. just because they got used to them. And I think that, um, well, if you can think back to someone that you've helped, um, what have you learned, I guess, from the most challenging case that you've seen that you'd like to share? Um, I would say my own my own health was pretty challenging and complex, um, but I would say that a big factor that's not commonly spoken about is the role of environmental toxins, and I can think that to one case in particular where we'd done all of the nutrition and supplements and exercise, um, she still wasn't getting full symptom resolution, and it was... I believe that the fact that she was being exposed to a lot of plastics 
and her beauty regime and um, she wasn't buying organic food. And I think a lot of that toxicity from the pesticides or the um, endocrine disruptors in the skincare products, which are hormone mimicking chemicals, I think that was a big factor because she was doing all the right things in the diet and lifestyle, but she was still exposing herself to all these toxins, which were overburdening her body. And then so much has been coming out about this too, like sunscreen um, causing yeah. infertility issues yeah. and all kinds of things and uh, even hair products, um, you know, many things. And it's, 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 you know, really scary. You have to really read the labels nowadays for sure. And especially yeah. with, especially with PCOS, you're just are already overburdened. And, um, and, you know, as you mentioned that you had a trigger in your life, like that pretty much preceded this as far as the food poisoning, but also, um, being under stress. And I think mm-hmm. that, um, when we think back to things that have where where it all started, it's it is sometimes a pretty uh, life altering stressful event, and I think sometimes that's buried a little bit. We don't talk about it, but um, it's almost always the trigger I find with our patients. A lot of times, um, it can be you know something that they just start kind of remembering, like yeah, that did start to feel bad around that time, you know. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you've noticed about that. Yeah, with every, with every client, I do a timeline. So we start from birth, like what happened in um, your mother's pregnancy? Did she, go on, did she undergo major stress or trauma? When you were born, were you born vaginally or were you born by a C-section? We were exposed to a lot of antibiotics at birth. Um, in puberty, did you undergo a major stress? Did you move school? Were you bullied? All of these things. Um really help to paint the picture of what's happened in someone's life. And a lot of the times, like you say, it only comes out in the second or third consultation that there was a major stress or it doesn't even have to be major like myself. It was just not treating my body as well as I could have been. And that can trigger not only PCOS, but a lot of things like autoimmune conditions. Um, It's now known that it can be triggered by a stressful event and a lot of the time people say oh I was never well since so and so so they kind of realize that I always ask that question when was the last time you felt well and that can give me a good indication of what changed what was happening at the time and how can we prevent other things happening and how can we get rid of that that driver exactly and and I do sometimes see patterns where it's hard to change it really is and and I think we have a little bit of a controversial thing sometimes with uh, when we have conversations uh, with our patients about the diet choice because I've noticed in the United States anyway, there's a lot of a big move towards being vegan. And I don't think that maybe that's the best route for PCOS a lot of times. I mean, it's very difficult. That we, I, we see a big difficulty in balancing blood sugar that way because the carbohydrate intake is just so major. A lot of times it's very hard. So if you have any thoughts about that I'd love to know how you handle vegetarianism or veganism or it do you feel like it's it's uh, beneficial for PCOS yeah I definitely agree with your thoughts um I just don't think that it's suitable for someone with PCOS due to the blood sugar imbalances that we, all, we already have um, I do think there are some benefits in the fact that 
a lot of the times we're cutting out a lot of the junk food and we're increasing vegetables. I think that's the main reason why a lot of people feel great. It's because they're moving away from this like standard American diet and they're now cutting out all the junk food and eating a lot more vegetables and fiber and they're going to the toilet more. So I think that's part of the reason people feel so great in the short term. But um, specifically for PCOS, I do think we need a lot of healthy protein and the protein found in plants is too rich in carbohydrates to get adequate amounts that we need to stabilize our blood sugar. Exactly. And I know that I was vegetarian for 10 years, I mean, and ended up not not doing well at all. And I think um, I just see it over and over again, especially with fertility. Um, it's really difficult. Um, and most of the time, our patients are overweight that are that are vegan, which is interesting or the, with mm-hmm. PCOS because they are trying something that, you know, they've heard that could be helpful, but it backfires with PCOS over and over again. So I just, I mean, if it's, it, I really like, I just ask our patients, can you think about well, what is the reason for this? If it's a religious reason, that's, you know, that's something, but if it's something there, you think you read something and you thought, okay, this sounds like a good idea or it's somebody is doing well with it and I'm going to try it. I have to say, I think that it's, it's, it's a disservice sometimes if we don't, I mean, not to say that we have to eat red meat at all. I have not eaten red meat in a long, long, long time, but Mm -hmm. I think we have to incorporate um, a little bit of of variety and, you know, that's, it's a touchy subject. I know. I just wondered how you handle that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm all for the ethical reasons as well. So um, if any meat that I have, it's organic, it's grass fed, it's pasture raised, um, and it's well cared for. I go to the farm where they're slaughtered. So I definitely am all for that and ethical um, raising of the animals. But I do believe that there's nutrients such as zinc, B12, iron that we need for healthy hormones in the long run. And a lot of people have to supplement in a vegan diet. And I always think that isn't natural and we should be getting these nutrients from diet first. Mm-hmm. Right, definitely. And the, if you're looking at um, it's switching up your diet, I think talking to someone actually that is, you know, trained in this instead of just, you know, looking on Google and just saying, oh, that looks like a good idea. It might not be the best idea. It might work for you, but it might not be. <laughs> so yeah. I think- and it might run it. It might work only in the short term as well. So a lot of these people who are praising the vegan diet, they're they haven't been on it more than six months and they're not yet facing the some of the long-term risks and uh, negative effects that might occur in the long run. So it's just taking all of the information that's online because there's controversy and conflict and advice for every diet out there. So it's just taking what you've what you've read and kind of personalize it to your to your um, specific needs because the people writing these blogs and articles, they aren't talking to you directly. They're talking to the general population and they're not taking into account your digestive issues, your high stress levels, your PCOS. It's just kind of very broad. So true. Yes, it is. And so what, what, what sort of lifestyle recommendations would you recommend for someone with PCOS as far as if there's most important thing to, to change right now in your life, what would it be? Um, firstly, I would say stress management. Um, it's just really important. And it was one of the last things that I changed in my own health journey, but it was one of the biggest needle movers. 
So in my personal routine, I do a lot of meditation, yoga, walking in nature, reading and journaling as well. And we know that stress can create inflammation. It can drive insulin resistance. It can raise our blood sugar and it can lead to a lot of negative health problems. So managing that as much as possible is really important. And I would say the second lifestyle recommendation would be doing some form of strength training into your exercise routine because we know that muscle is really important for increasing metabolic rate, helping our insulin sensitivity and regulating our blood sugar as well. So doing that two to three times a week at minimum would be really good instead of like marathon training and really high intense activity because that can, again, drive the stress levels and isn't always the best for someone with PCOS. I totally agree. Uh, and it's always, sometimes you just have to just do it. And like the Nike commercial, instead of fighting with yourself, I don't yeah. want to go today. I don't want to do these weights, uh, but I'm going to feel better after. That's yeah, <laughs> but uh, so as far as an internet resource, what's the best one that you'd recommend? I would say um, there's one, one of the main people that who inspired me and provided a lot of information at the start was um, it was a website called Paleo for Women, and that's mm-hmm. by Stephanie Ru- Stephanie Ruper, um, and she spoke not just about the um, classic PCOS, so the overweight, insulin resistant types. She also spoke about the adrenal kind of PCOS, which is mainly stress induced, which I think I was suffering with. Um, so she has a lot of information on her website. She has an ebook. And I've just really found her website um, really helpful, along with another practitioner, Lara Bryden. She's kind of a PCOS specialist, and she has tons of blog posts and free information online as well. I think those two were really helpful in my own case. Nice. We will definitely post those links on our show notes also. And and why, if you could recommend one book, I know there's so many books out there that are, are helpful, but if you could recommend a book that was important to you um, in your struggle with PCOS, what would it be? Um, I would say a book called Eight Steps to Reverse Your PCOS. It's kind of a classic um, book, in my opinion, that every woman with PCOS should read. And that's by Fiona McCulloch. Mm-hmm. And yes. yeah, I really enjoyed that one. It's um, not too sciencey, so I think the average person who's not trained in nutrition should be able to understand it. But it provides tons of information that's really helpful and it gives um, quite simple advice, but quite effective advice as well. Wonderful. Well, and hopefully we'll have her on soon too. Yeah, she's yeah. And if you could give us a parting piece of guidance, best way to connect with you, then what would be, I know that you do have a free gift on your website too. Yeah. When you, when you go there, but tell us a little bit about what, what, how you work with women with PCOS as well. Yeah. So I would say that, Um, It's important to get help from someone who's qualified and knowledgeable about PCOS. So you might think that you're saving time and money in the short term by researching yourself on your own and self-supplementing and changing your own diet and kind of 
spending all your free time researching on the internet. However, in my opinion, it's going to save you time, money and stress to work with someone who can give an outside perspective and give you personalized protocols and advice um, for your own personal, um, personal conditions and symptoms. So that would be my parting advice is to invest in yourself and really seek help from someone who's, who can help you um, improve your condition. Um, I do have a lot of information on my website. I have free weekly newsletters and blog posts relating to PCOS, but also women's health, fertility and hormones. And there is a free guide on my website as well that you can sign up for it's pcos three nutrition and lifestyle mistakes to avoid so the things i've seen in clinical practice that women are doing on a regular basis that is kind of preventing them from getting full recovery of the hormones so if you read that you can kind of prevent those things and make sure you're on the right path and on my instagram which is viva natural health v-i-v-a natural health I show daily updates, meal ideas, inspiration, and health education as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And we're definitely going to check those pages out. So thanks again for coming by. Everyone have a fabulous week. And that's the end of this episode of the PCOS Revolution podcast. If you've enjoyed the show and want to help me spread the word about how women with PCOS and hormonal imbalances can lead happier, more healthier lives, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. They really do make a difference. If you'd like to have a question answered on the show or would like to recommend a guest, please go to floridacompletewellness.com slash podcast. If you're on social media, you can follow me at facebook.com slash Florida Complete Wellness and twitter.com slash Florida Complete, where I post a lot of interesting research, webinars, and articles on our blog about really getting to the root of hormonal imbalances like PCOS. So it's a great way to stay in touch with the latest developments. Thanks so much for listening and see you soon. Mm-hmm.